Well, welcome to the Bridgeway Podcast. We have a special um, episode for you today. Uh, we just got out of talking about worship and uh, how we approach that here at Bridgeway, and we thought it would be really interesting to share um, uh, an episode from the other podcast that I host, which is called the Spoken Gospel Podcast. It's part of the nonprofit ministry that I run called Spoken Gospel. And we did an episode on Psalm 103, hymn psalms. We actually did a bunch of other psalms too, but this is just, uh, we really like this episode, so we wanted to share that episode with you. Uh, it's myself and also another um, pastor who just left staff here at Bridgeway, um, Seth Stewart. Uh, he just moved to Kansas City, uh, and we still do the podcast together. And uh, it's us talking about Psalm 19, and the Spoken Gospel podcast, what it's all about is helping people see Jesus in every corner of Scripture. And so um, every week, uh, Seth and I sit down and we unpack a text of scripture exegetically, and then we try to show how it's ultimately about Jesus. So we do that here in Psalm 19. And if you, uh, if you like this podcast, we invite you to head over to, um, the spoken gospel podcast. You can search that in your, uh, in whatever podcast client you use and, uh, and subscribe. You can also head over to, uh, spokengospel.com to check out more of our free resources that show Jesus in all of scripture. And, uh, we hope you enjoy this episode of the Spoken Gospel Podcast brought to you by the Bridgeway Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. This is our attempt to speak the gospel out of every corner of Scripture. We believe every part of the Bible, Old Testament and New, is about Jesus. And this podcast is our experiment to publicly test that belief. Let's jump in. Welcome, Seth. You're feeling kind of tired this morning. I'm feeling a little. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. You're you're house hunting in Kansas City. I'm I'm a dad. You're a new dad. Well, not a new dad, but a dad of a newborn. A dad of a newborn and to Sunny, your oldest daughter. My oldest daughter had lost both of her front two teeth. Yesterday. Oh, I know. She sent me a Marco Polo. Yes, <laughs> she did. <laughs> yes, she did. And it was hilarious. She had like a robot voice on too. Oh my gosh. It was pretty great. And it felt like I had to torture my daughter for an hour to get the tooth out oh, of her no. because she just refused to let us like take it. It's like, horrifying. Be, and, like, it's like hanging yeah. by a thread. It's like you can't <laughs> eat any food without us taking it out. But like, every time we would approach her mouth, she would just scream oh, and no. cry. And for like two consecutive hours, <laughs> one, an hour before I left for work and an hour after I came home from work was spent oh, no. negotiating with my daughter on letting me pull her teeth. Oh, gosh. It's, it's like pulling teeth. It's like pulling teeth. <laughs> I thought about this this morning. I was like, literally, it's like pulling this teeth. is what that phrase is meant for. <laughs> was right here. That's really funny. And you are, you are uh, wrapping up papers for a seminary, yep. and you are writing devos for John for Spoken Gospel. That's, you're doing a lot right now. It's fine. It's fine. It's I've, 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 like, I've got nothing going on. Nothing. It's but fine. we're glad you're here. I'm, I am here. You're here, and we are not in Leviticus anymore. We are. I, I'm, I'm sad to leave Leviticus, uh-huh. but I'm also really, really glad. I'm glad we got through it. Glad, <laughs> glad we got through Leviticus. It. And so, I read a lot of loss yes. for a long time. And so before we jump into numbers, we thought it would be fun to stop and do a psalm. And I, I, text, I was texting Seth the other day, and we were trying to pick which psalm we were going to do. And I was like, so should we just do imprecatory psalms? And like, those <laughs> yeah. are the ones, if you don't know, where David prays that God would like punish other people yeah like uh, the famous line is dash oh, their children, children against, against the, the rocks. rocks it's like so intense and like, like we're they... gonna talk about it eventually but seth was like we just finished leviticus can we do like a thanksgiving hymn <laughs> psalm thing something happy it's a little bit more light. <laughs> so that's what, we're, that's what we're gonna do <laughs> is um there are um these psalms David would make a great pastor just oh, from, yeah, straight definitely. from leviticus <laughs> to imprecatory <laughs> psalms and then we're just gonna wrap it up with a little bit of revelation that's and right ju- final judgment that sounds like a great <laughs> schedule. <laughs> um, so there are psalms um, throughout uh, the, the book of psalms that... Are there? Th- there are. There are. If, if you didn't know that. it's, uh, it's is, it, Does psalm just mean song? Yes. Like, but it, well, it means song accompanied by musical instruments. Uh, yes, is that string different from a hymn? Yes. Oh. Yes. So a hymn could be a subset of a psalm. So right? a psalm is any song with music. Yes. I think... It, I don't know if there... It's kind of an ambiguous term. And so uh, I don't know if there's like a cultic or religious overtone to it. Like yeah, if yeah. it 
if it's if a psalm can only be sung so you have a pub, religious you context, have like, you a, have like a, a drinking a, a, psalm a, 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 a janty or a janty? what's it a ch- what's i don't know what word i'm thinking of i was like so you have a drinking, a psalm, drinking psalm but never a drinking hymn yeah maybe <laughs> yes yes i think that would be a good that could be true <laughs> you could have an irish guy yeah, an irish drinking it. psalm but not an irish <laughs> drinking hymn Right. Great. Okay. Uh, Cleared that up in my mind. Glad that's helpful for everyone. And so, um, but oftentimes you'll be reading through the book of Psalms and you'll come upon um, these these Psalms that just have, they just sound like praise and worship. They sound like a praise and worship song. Right. And it's like, there's repeated lines there. There's a lot of um, parallelism, you know, so where like he'll say one thing one way and say the exact same thing slightly differently. Um, There's a lot of um, like pro- pronouns, like who is there, like mm. or you, you are, or yours is, and then there's yeah, yeah. lots of descriptive participles, like Ooh. forgives and rescues are... and oh, covers. My, you know? my favorite part of a worship song. <laughs> <laughs> Man, did you hear that new? Did you hear the new Hill, Hill song? Song? No. Man, there's so many participles. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Um, one of the things I noticed about Psalm 103. Which is what we're doing today. Which we haven't, never, we haven't said, said that yet. yet. We're <laughs> doing Psalm 103. Which is a great introduction. Great introduction. We're doing, we're doing fine. Yeah, and a lot of songs can be really personal, and a lot mm-hmm. of David's psalms are very personal, like right. Psalm 51. But a hymn, which is meant for the wider body of Israel to sing together, it's a little more general. It's not. It's personal, but it's not going into the details of his of life. His life. Right, yeah, right, yeah, right. yeah. And in this psalm, do, and there, and it is interesting. There are some lament psalms that are deeply personal. That the subscript that say it's what it's for is for everyone to sing. So it is yeah. weird. There's is not a weird. hard and fast rule of well, was, all congregational singing songs are hymns. That's right, right. Right. I was thinking too, like even the songs. I mean, I know our worship pastor takes a lot of care to choose the songs. Yes. That, there are songs that are worshipful uh-huh. that should be listened to by many people, but not necessarily be sung, sung by, by a congregation. By a congregation. Yeah. And so I was thinking about that. I was doing this because like there's some beautiful songs like hill songs. Yep. But they're just really wordy. 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 And they're yeah, just yeah, really yeah. hard to n- memorize, really hard to repeat easily. Right. But some of the other ones are great. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, like I'll, I'll listen to So Will I. Yeah. And just weep and yes. love it. Or Seasons. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but like, we won't sing that here at Bridgeway. Not because it's a bad song. It's a phenomenal song. But just because our worship pastor thinks it's too wordy and it's just, it, how, it doesn't repeat enough. And it's, it's like, how do you really engage with one single idea when you have five minutes to do it when you're saying, a thousand different yeah, words. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, work through Psalm 103 and kind of go verse by verse, maybe section by section, and meditate on this. Um, there's not there's there's some ideas in here that we'll want to unpack, um, yeah. but mostly I just I think especially for a psalm of a hymn psalm of Thanksgiving, it'll just be good for us to reflect on who God thanks. is and give thanks. And so one thing to notice um, about Book Four, which mm. is the book we're in, I think yeah. it's one of the shortest of all the the books in yeah. Psalms. And if you want to g- rewind and find the episode with Jeff Vanderstelt, we mm-hmm. talked about this about how the psalm, the Psalter, is divided into five books, right? Roughly corresponding to five different stages of David's life. That's right. Yeah. So, so you, yeah. the fourth book is in which stage of David's life, David? Well, it, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I don't know. I think it's I think it's written in the time of like the downfall of the, the Davidic dynasty. Is that right? Yeah. It's I... like the downward spiral yeah, of yeah, David yeah. and Solomon. Of right. Solomon, yeah. And so what a lot of people think, what a lot of biblical scholars think, because if you remember, yes, this psalm was written by David, but it wasn't compiled into the book we now know as Psalms during right. the time of David. Yeah. This was compiled by a later inspired inspired compiler inspired compiler inspired compiler but it's hard to it's hard to say fast um and the 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 way that this particular book was positioned um a lot of people think it was to give um hope to those in exile so Mm. if you remember um the babylonians and syrians they've all come in and they've pillaged uh you know jerusalem and judah and they have they've scattered God's people around, right? Like, and um, and this these psalms were put together to be an encouragement to them in the time of exile. And so um, apparently, and even like personally, like the idea, like bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Right? Like there's this like we are like Israel, if they're in exile, is going to be prone to forget what God had done in the past. Yes. And even if you're not in political exile and you're just down and out. It's mm-hmm. like, 
bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget right. not all of his benefits. See, like what you're currently experiencing is not the sum total of God's actions mm-hmm. towards you. Yep. And so, um, and, and and so that that's kind of situationally probably what's happening. And then there's also literarily what's happening is after getting through book three, which is very spirally and very like contentious. It's kind of like the fall of King David and yeah. lots of hard Psalms to work through. Um, I found this list um, of five questions that you should leave book three uh, in uh, book three in the book of Psalms. Kind this of like is book thinking four. This so, is book four. So like so. We're, we're now there. So as you've worked through book three, you come to these hymns and you're like, what are the questions ringing in your in your ears? And so I just thought this was really interesting. So it's like this is the kind of weight that is on people when they enter into songs psalms like these. One, how long does God's wrath last? Hmm. Uh, does God understand human frailty? Three, is God true to His nature of justice, righteousness, unfailing love, and faithfulness? Four, is God just in not taking vengeance against the enemies? And five. Do these questions undermine God's ability to rule? Is he still a just king? Does he? Mm. Does he and so it's like all this stuff is happening, right. and it's like everything's terrible. We've now gone into exile. Is God good? How long is this going to last? Does he understand that we're just human? Right. Is he still a good ruler? Is he yeah. going to keep his promises? Is he still righteous? And then you get to these hymns, especially hymn 103, and it's like, a drink of cold water on a hot day and yeah. you're like oh thank goodness it's yeah. so good it's so interesting too because i think sometimes at least um if you listen to caleb <laughs> like worship music is really just peppy happy right. poppy um saccharine just like yeah. it's like it feels like it's meant for people who are always happy to continue that feeling of being happy a little bit longer at least i think that's a perception yeah. of popular christian music right and so i think it's Interesting that the, perce- the the biblical assumption that when you go into praise time yep. is actually you're it's probably done in the context of suffering. Yeah, you're wondering is God still good? Mm. Is He going to act? Will this last forever? Is He really in control? Like there, it assumes this like lamenting is going on in the background, yeah. even if the psalm itself is not lamenting right. anything, any particular bad thing. It's just like you come to worship, probably burdened. Right. So what do you do when you come to church on a Sunday morning with more questions about God's goodness yeah. than confidence in mm-hmm. it? You worship, and you, you proclaim worship. his goodness. Right. Yeah, which is why I hate when people say in worship, it's like, guys, I don't know what's going on out there in the world, but you're here in the Lord's house. I just want you to lay down everything you're thinking about. Lay down all your mm-hmm. burdens. Lay down right, right. what's going on in your life. Lay down the hard stuff, and let's just focus on God. I'm like... No, bring that stuff to God. <laughs> yeah. Be thinking about how the gospel does apply to your burdens and yeah, your hard it, your hard stuff in your life. It assumes like, that you can't worship God if things are hard. Right. And it's right. like I think moving from book three to book four shows us that the opposite is not only true but necessary. That yeah. the only way to get out of those hard questions of is God good? How long will this last? Uh is he fit to rule? Is to worship him and make true statements about his character, his actions, his goodness. And so that's what we're going to see here. And so the opening lines of Psalm 103 is, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Do you think it's weird that David talks to himself? Um, Well, he's talking to his... Soul. His life force. (laughs) His life force. His nephesh. (laughs) Which animals have nephesh? So he's talking to his spirit animal? His spirit animal. (laughs) David... (laughs) Bless the Lord, oh my snow leopard. <laughs> that was David's. Uh, that was, that was David's spirit animal. Was it really? No. What, what, how would I know that? The rock, rock badger. Rock badger. <laughs> um, you know, so he's talking to the oryx. He's, he's talking I think of to other biblical the oryx. Other biblical his animal. Leviathan. Leviathan. Yeah, Leviathan. He's a spirit animal. animal. Um, and so, no. The, the first thing he does, he does talk to his soul. He talks to himself. Um, and he, he and he does that often. You know, awake, oh my soul. You know, yeah. why do you slumber? Wake up. Praise the Lord. I heard somebody say that a, a lot of us are really used to t- um, listening to ourselves, mm. but not many of us are good at speaking to ourselves. Mm. It's like we always have this internal dialogue right. going on in our mind that tells us it's probably not going to get better. Right. Uh, this is the way it's always going to be. The Lord is always angry with you. Mm-hmm. And we have this, like, I mean, it goes back to those four, right. five questions. Yep. Like, our inter- we're always listening 
to those questions and our mind is we're all constantly listening to our mind answer those questions and sometimes the only way to get out of it is for us to not listen to ourselves mm-hmm. but speak to ourselves yeah bless the lord oh my soul yeah and forget not all his benefits yeah i love that i think that's really good um and so yeah he, he says he speaks to himself and in the midst of all this hardship um, what he's going through, he's, he just talks to himself and says, all right, time to bless the Lord, which bless is, is yeah. a hard word for me. Like, like pray. I always kind of like praise the Lord, but I, I was trying to pray through this. I was like, what does that mean to bless yeah. God? Like, doesn't he have everything? Isn't he that, already blessed? <laughs> like he, he's probably pretty blessed. I mean, he's God. <laughs> like, what does it mean to yeah. bless him or to, does it mean just mean praise? To I like, mean, yeah, they're one of the, especially in the imperative, it says here, I'm on my little logos software. And yeah, it, it, one of it is synonymous with praise to praise. So, so it's just like worship God, my soul, yeah. all that's within me. Even though my mind is bent toward, like, would prefer to think about my suffering mm-hmm. or how I can't figure out these questions or how terrible my life is. All that is within me, right? Praise the Lord. Yeah, it's important that we praise the Lord, body. It's yeah. important that we praise the Lord, mind. It's yes. important that we praise the Lord, which soul. is interesting when he when he calls upon his soul and all that is within him to bless the holy name, the set-apart name of God, which is Yahweh. I mean, he this is him commanding himself to to do the Shema, right? The sh- to hear, O Israel, the Lord, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mm, yeah, yeah, and he's yeah. saying, like, come on, soul. You've got, we got we we to gotta gotta Shema this thing. <laughs> <laughs> which is funny, because I think sometimes, like, there's a lot of, a lot of worship where it feels like they're kind of, like, priming the pump for you. Mm-hmm. Like, they're trying to get you into an emotional frenzy. Right. But there's actually, a, like... I think what David's saying, to, like that does happen, and so we're not. That's not what. And that's not, not, in, what, not in a manipulative way. Yeah, that's not right. what David's doing. He's yep. saying, like, there, I know that my body, my soul, myself is not inclined to worship the Lord. Right. And I need to prepare myself. I need to speak to myself yes. to praise the Lord. Right. Otherwise, I will default to not doing it. Right. It's like I set an alarm. Not because I'm trying to manipulate my sleep patterns, <laughs> right, right? Right, right. but because I have a desire to wake up at a certain time. Yeah. And so I need my alarm clock to speak to me and say, awake, oh, David. <laughs> awake, oh, David. <laughs> Let all that is within you slumber no more. Uh, and so, yeah. So then the next verse, uh, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And then he lists his benefits. And he yeah. says... I think one translation is forget not all his bounty. His bounty. Yeah. I love that. And uh, Hezekiah in Second Chronicles, where actually t- like the same word benefit or bounty is used in the, he forgets God's bounty. It says mm. Hezekiah did not make return according to the benefit done to him, for his heart was proud. Mm. And so I think even I was just trying to process through what it would mean, like to forget God's benefits would be like indicative of pride in my heart. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm forgetting what God has done, I'm being pro- proud right. in some way, repeating yeah. the sins of Hezekiah. Right. Yeah, it's crazy. He's, yeah, I'm looking at like how this word is used. It's used a bunch of different ways and a bunch of different times throughout the Old Testament. Um, oh, not really a bunch of different times, only like 18. Oh, no, there's some more in the root. But it's like recompense, deeds, benefits, repayment, work, dealt, paying back for something, reward. And so it's like, hmm. when, when you hear this word, it's, I mean, it's supposed to, and he's going to talk about Moses right. here in a little bit. He's like, remember when he brought you out of Egypt? Right. Like, remember when he did all these things? Because he, he starts, he goes through and starts listing some of these benefits, these bounties he wants right. you to remember. And he says, he forgives your iniquities. He heals your diseases, redeems your life from the pit, crowns you with steadfast love, satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And so he's just like. He goes through quite a lot of different benefits there. Um, I don't know if there's like a. It does seem like there's a progression. Yeah. Well, I was. Uh, we go. <clears throat> my voice was I love weird. That. Yeah. My voice was weird there. Um, I was thinking too, if like Hezekiah forgot the Lord's benefits, mm-hmm. and it was it was accounted to him as pride. Like right. That was called pride. Yeah. That means what David's commanding his soul to do is to be humbled mm. by what God has done for him. By hum- be humbled by the benefits that the Lord has given to him. He forgave his iniquities. He healed him from his diseases. And what's crazy there is that God didn't. Didn't what? Didn't necessarily heal him from all the sickness that came to him. Because he, think about Bathsheba in Psalm 51. Right. He forgives David mm-hmm. for committing murder and sleeping with Bathsheba, but he does not heal his son. Right. 
And so um, I was thinking through that as I was reading that, like, what is that? Like, why would David say he heals all my diseases, mm. even though he knows there's a history right. where he hasn't? Well, if it's Hebrew parallelism, mm. then then heals all your diseases would be a metaphor for forgiving all your iniquities. Mm. Um, and I, I think it can extend to he actually heals you. But right, right, I right. do think these are somewhat parallel, that he forgives your iniquities he heals all your diseases that we have this uh one of the commentators i read this morning was talking about how he 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 deals with the guilt and punishment our sins deserve but he also deals with the sin itself the sickness of sin inside mm-hmm. of you right, so right, that right. david could be called a man after god's own heart because god had worked in him through his spirit to actually make david good and make yeah. david love god and make david like god and um, so it's probably also healing the disease of sin in him yeah. in a way. So, um, so and, there's yeah. forgiveness and then there's redemption and yep. then there's satisfaction. So oh, bless the Lord, yeah. O my soul, because you've forgiven me, you've redeemed me and you satisfied me. I love that. Which are all three different things. Like forgiveness mm-hmm. is like, I murdered somebody. God, please forgive me. Wipe the slate clean. Right. Redeem me. Like bring me, bring back, me back to you, to you, yeah. mm-hmm. to, be, to be in a situation where I'm actually we have a positive relationship where right. that's not just net zero and that's zero. Right. And then satisfy me with yourself. Mm. Fill me back up with yourself. Yeah. And, and I love the, the, um, I guess the, the utter extremes he goes to in verse four, when he talks about redemption, he's like, you redeem our, our life from the pit. So it's like, I was down in Sheol. I was in the grave. Yeah. I was dead. And you pulled me out and brought me to yourself and you put a crown on me because of your covenant love and your mercy. And so I went from being in a grave, being in a pit, to being a king. And I mean, that's that's our story yeah. as Christians. I mean, it's right? literally David's story. It's li- literally David's David story. David was in pits yeah. in caves, and <laughs> God true. has crowned him yep. with steadfast love and right. mercy based on the promises that God made. Right. Uh, in Second Samuel seven, mm-hmm. like he's like he's cr- literally crowned him yep. with love, and he's come from a pit. And he's saying, "You've been faithful to me, Lord." Right. Like, look, this is my life story: is that I was in a pit. Yep. Now I'm in a palace, and it's mm-hmm. by your hand. Yeah. And if you're if you're Israel in exile, reading this, you're like, okay, this also reminds me of Joseph, who yes. was in prison, and then he went to the right hand of Pharaoh, and then okay, yep, David, he was running from Solomon, hiding in caves, and then he was a king. Surely, too, if God was able to do all this, bring Israel out of slavery into his presence on Mount Sinai, this God is a God who forgives and redeems. Right. Surely he will not forget us in exile. He yeah. will bring us out of this pit in Babylon and bring him, bring yeah. us back to himself. And I don't know what it is about pits, but like it's like a common like human way. It's like we talked about how this is both personal mm-hmm. yet also like applicable for a lot of people. And so it's like everyone can identify with being... I'm down in the pits. Down in the pits. Yeah. Like it's still a phrase. <laughs> yep, it we is. Use. Yep. So anyway, I was yeah, just... I'm down. I'm feeling down in the dumps. The dumps. Feeling feeling in the pits. Although, this is the pits. This is the pits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. It's very common. And then um and then yeah, satisfaction that you satisfy you who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Hmm. Eagles are fun. Eagles are fun. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's funny how so many nations have like you have decided to use the eagle yeah. as a sim- they're the symbol of their country. Yep. It's like America, Mexico, Nazi Germany, Rome. <laughs> That's true, though. But it's like it's like this symbol of power yep. and strength. And freedom. And freedom. Yep. Agility. Uh, yeah. All these things. I guess in Israel, too. Yep. It's like it was the same thing. Which is like what that, that Jeremiah talks about this, right? Mm-hmm. It's like how I uh, remember how I bore you on eagles, on eagles wing. wings and brought you to myself yeah yeah and so the, even even how you're how they are renewed is hearkening back to their rescue how so these are all god's benefits so for us as christians <laughs> today uh i mean this is our story too right i mean we we've had our sins forgiven in jesus the the, the disease and sickness of sin that has ruled over us making our hearts hard making us unable to obey god has been ripped out of us and replaced with a heart of flesh so we can actually love God, actually obey his commands. We've been redeemed out of death. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. We were, we're in the pit. We were bought out of the pit. We were bought out of the pit, right. Yeah. And um, and he's brought us to himself. He's crowned us with crowns. We are co-heirs with Christ, who is king of kings. Uh, we're princes who co-rule with him uh, in the heavenly places. 
and he, and then he, through all throughout this life, he satisfies us with good, both with physical things that he provides for us, like a good dad, uh, but also with his very presence, preeminently with his presence and his nearness, his goodness. Yeah. He satisfies us, renews us uh, through his Holy Spirit, and ultimately, eschatologically, in the end, he'll satisfy us with himself when he brings us to himself, and we sit down, you know, with him right. and worship him, and we'll be satisfied forever with him. And I feel like even in this moment, I'm like hearing all you say all that. I'm like, and I feel, still feel the need to say. Okay, soul. Yeah, bless the Lord I know. because of these things. Yeah. So I think I, I'm sure like a lot of our l- listeners are hearing this and they're saying, "Okay, that that sounds great," but it's not resonating right <laughs> with me. Yeah. And like I I would be the first to admit that it yep. doesn't always resonate with me either. Right. Even when I'm talking about these things, it's yep. like I'm saying them in an excited way, but sometimes like they're not hit- always hitting home. My soul's not there. My soul's not there. Yeah. And so like that's part of the point. Mm-hmm. You're you're supposed to remember the things that God has done for you things that God has done for other people and say, okay, bless the Lord, oh my soul, mm-hmm. because of these things, because by myself, I'm not always going to do it. Right. Yeah. And it is really important to remember that, that we've got to, like the first step of worship is remembering what God has done and then telling yourself yeah. to worship the Lord because of it. Yeah. it um, and sometimes be, it comes easier. Sometimes you just think about it, you're like overwhelmed and you start crying and you just cry yeah. out to God. It's the best. Other times you've got to whip yourself up yeah. and turn on the alarm clock yeah. and be like, hey, wake up, oh my soul, worship yeah. God. Don't forget everything he's done for you. Yeah. And yeah, I think when my, my when I'm tired, when my heart is tired, when I feel busy, when I, you know, or when I, or like to go back to the humility pride thing, it's like, or when I feel like I don't need forgiveness and I don't yeah. need to be redeemed. And I, I've done, I've done just well right crowning myself thank you very much yeah. and i don't need god to do that we need to hear the same messages over and over again we because do. we're prone to forget them yes i mean even just think about the the most common message that we hear in most movies and tv shows is like you got to believe in yourself right it's like why do you, why is every single movie yes that has been created by disney in the last eight decades right. <laughs> been about believing in yourself because they recognize that you're going to forget that you should believe in yourself. Right. Now, there's problems with believing yourself yes. all by itself. Right. But that point is, like, people know yep, but that, they forget. You, that you forget. Yep. And you need to speak to yourself. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't speak to yourself, you're just going to be listening to yourself. Mm-hmm. You're going to be listening to those voices in your head. You're going to be listening to the questions and your own answers. You're going to be listening to your circumstances. And you need, in those moments, when you're overwhelmed by your own thoughts is another voice outside of your own thoughts that says, this is who the Lord is. Mm. This is what he's done. Here's what he will do for you. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. In verse six, um, it seems like we have He's just talking more about God's benefits. Yes, more reasons to right. bless the Lord. But he does it in the historical context of the Exodus. Yeah, the he first one was kind of was kind of vague, but you could probably point to situations right. in David's life or Joseph's life. This one is explicitly, okay, bless the Lord, particularly because yeah. he saved us from Egypt. Right, you have past tense being used. You had satisfies, forgives, redeems in three, four, and five. But now you have... Uh, in verse seven, he made known his way to Moses, right? Yeah. And so th- he's like, remember those things he did to Moses, with Moses, with the covenant people of God in Israel when he rescued them. So uh, verse six, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Right. Who was that? Israel and Egypt. Israel and Egypt, yeah. probably uh, Israel in exile. Yep. Or just... The they, oppressed in general. The oppressed right. in general. Maybe. And I think you're meant to yeah. do those concentric circles out where it's like, like, if God cares about the slaves in Egypt, he will care about you in exile. Yes. If he cares about you in exile, and he showed in his Torah and in his character that he cares for the sojourner, the alien, the orphan, the widow, the oppressed, the marginalized. And so um, I yeah. love that he doesn't just love them. He works righteousness or works justice right. for them. Because I, I think I know enough in my Bible to know that righteousness and justice are so closely linked that they're essentially synonyms for one another. Yeah, they're used pretty interchangeably a lot but of times. But normally, and I would expect there to be like a parallelism where mm-hmm. it's like two contrasting statements, but that's not what's happening here. It says, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Mm-hmm. And so I was just trying to think like, what is the difference between righteousness and justice? 
And I think I was reading uh, Kidner on this, and he just said, like, you can think of right uh, righteousness as, or sorry, righteousness as yeah. vindication. Right, right, right. Like, it's the idea that the slate's wiped clean. Mm. Your name is cleared of all charges. Right. You're I've been vindicated. vindicated. You've yeah. been vindicated. Yeah. And then justice mm. is not just being cleared of all charges. It's being given what justice demands. Yes. It's being given the rights of a citizen. Mm. It's like if you were an alien or if you were Israel, you had no right to be a citizen because why? Egypt considered you inferior because you had been conquered at one point, whatever right. else. One, you've been vindicated yep. as a true human being mm. in the sight of the king. And then justice is that you're granted the rights of a citizen like yeah. in that in that particular situation. Which is the story of Exodus. It's exactly the story yeah. of Exodus. They're giving their own nation. Right. Justice is that Israel would be its own nation. Yeah. And it yeah. also has to, I'm sure it also has to be about executing justice for the oppressed against the oppressors. Yeah. That, I mean, it, Egypt was, you know, Egypt's chariots were drowned in the Red Sea. That's God judging his the oppressors. Yeah. That's his justice too. It's on yeah. both sides. Um, and then you have this, uh, he made his ways uh, he, he made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. Uh, so he showed up. God showed up on Mount Sinai after he rescued them. Part of the Red Sea. Yep. He showed up in manna. He showed up in the ten plagues. Yep. He showed up in the quail. He showed up by providing water in the desert. Right. And his ways, I think. Pillar of cloud. That's the same. Pillar of smoke. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like, <laughs> it's often used um, by David in the Psalms to talk about the Torah, the, co- mm, the commands of right, God, right, right, his right. ways. God revealed his law to Moses, um, and he acted. So he showed what he wanted, his character, and what he's doing, his right. actions. He does both. So he, because I think that's that's important because God has done a lot, did a lot for yep. Israel. Yep. He showed them who he was, what he was capable of, with the pillar of fire and smoke and the Red Sea parting. But he also showed him what he was like mm-hmm. by showing him the, his law and showing Moses himself, like right. showing like in the as Moses is hidden in yes. the cleft of the rock, God walks. Yes, in front of him, and what is the quote right after that? Yeah, it, he quotes he quotes that experience. He quotes yeah. that experience. So God <laughs> says, "I'll put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will proclaim my name to you." And when God passes Moses by in the cleft of the rock, he says, "The Lord, the Lord is slow to slow to anger, merciful, gracious, abounding in steadfast love." And that's exactly what's quoted here. Right. And so we're meant to be thinking about Moses in the cleft of the rock. So when he says that he made his ways known to Moses, he's talking about when God showed up to Moses on Mount right. Sinai. And so, um, so think about that. Yeah. If the questions that you're running, if you're coming into a worship service and the question running through your mind are, why is my suffering lasting so long? Mm. Does God see me? Is this ever going to end? Will I be okay? And the call to your soul is, remember, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all people who are oppressed. He has made known himself and his ways to Moses, mm. so much so that he revealed his name to him. And it, his name is the Lord is merciful mm-hmm. and gracious, slow to anger and steadfast and, and slow abounding to, and abounding and yeah. steadfast love and mercy. Right. Your situation is not the final dis- arbiter of what right. God is like. Yeah. Like there's more going on, and God has a long history of abounding and steadfast love to people that are oppressed, and that includes you. Right. And we we have to and and what why I think the reason why he's bringing this situation up is because of the context in which this happened. So this is happening around the time of the golden calf. Like the golden calf had just been erected. Uh, the people were worshiping it. And and then Moses goes back up to the to, to God on the mountain to try to fix the situation. And that's when God says this, yeah. that he is merciful and gracious and he's slow to anger and he's abounding in steadfast love. Even after you've broken the commandments he just gave in the worst possible way, He's still going to forgive you, and that's what. So maybe you're he talks not about even, next. So maybe you're not. So what yeah. you just said was different from what I said. I said like if you're coming in suffering, right? What you said if you're coming in guilty, guilty yes, and you're like I, I shouldn't be here, right? I can't worship because mm-hmm. I've done too much wrong. The response is speak to yourself. God actually will forgive you. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what this whole next section is about, is about forgiveness. So let me read it here, starting in verse 9. He will not always chide nor keep his 
anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. So he's talking about forgiveness. Yeah. Over and over again, he's talking about forgiveness. And he does so... Um, in like he starts grand and then gets gets granular. So he starts mm. he goes from cosmological to geographical to biological. Oh, so so cosmological, so right? Wait, he goes from legal to cosmological. Oh, he deal not, with us according to our sins. Right? Well, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Oh, Verse sorry. nine, he will not always chide. Oh, which is a weird word, right? Yeah, but it basically means he will not legislate against you. Mm. So it's like it's a kind of a legal word. So okay. like he will not sue you. Oh, he's not keeping a catalog of your wrongs. He's not keeping account. He's not counting your sins and try, making right. and like keeping like stacking up evidence against you. Right. He will not always mm. do this. Yeah. He, nor will he keep his anger forever. So the first one, I think that's most of our perception of God. God yeah. has a long list of laws, uh-huh. and he has a checkbox next to each one that I've done wrong. Right. And, the, and a tally mark. Like a tally how many mark. times have I broken that one? Right. So, But the first promise is that God does not always keep a legislative account of mm. your wrongs. Wow. And he doesn't, and, and even the ones that you do wrong, that, you know, he doesn't keep his anger toward them forever. Yes. Yeah. Wow. So that's the first one. Yeah. He doesn't, and, and I think that is extended here, he doesn't deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. If he did, he wouldn't be merciful. <laughs> like, right. He's merciful. He, we deserve to be dealt with according to our sins, but he doesn't treat us the way we deserve, which is what yeah. mercy is, yes. not being treated the way you deserve. And I keep thinking like how unlike me that is. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I like, I have a hard, I love my wife. Right. But it's hard, even in those situations, it's hard for me not to keep an account of the times that we've argued and she's done it poorly. Or we've had the same argument over and over again and the same pattern has repeated itself and I want to bring it up next time she... Into into legal account. Right. And I'm always keeping account of other people's failures. Right. And I mean, not, I mean, I'm not that, hopefully I'm not that bad, but like (laughs) it's it's something that I do pretty frequently. Mm And that God is promising that He won't do for us, right? And then He does not deal with us according to our sins, because and then what I normally do after the fact is I tr- change the way that I interact with people based mm. on the way they have treated me. Right. If someone's continually disrespected me or c- continually hurt my feelings, I will be standoffish. Yep. I will protect myself. I'll hedge myself away from them. I'll make sure that I don't respond as kindly to them. Mm. Yeah, we, again, we see that God is not like us. Right. Uh, so I, as I was reading this, like, man, I am not like this, yeah. even in my own personal right. inter- yes. <laughs> interactions. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, and then he just like doubles down on what it, I think, I think he knows that when we sin and when we feel guilt, it's so deeply embedded in how we view the relationship we have between us and God the relationship we have between like our sins against one another and who we are. Like it's just, Mm -hmm. it permeates our whole worldview, our view of ourselves. So I think he tries to deconstruct that here in doing that whole cosmological, geographical, biological thing. So (laughs) cosmological for as far as the heavens are above the earth. So great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. So that's a cosmological heavens and earth. He's as far as the heavens are above the earth. That's how, Huge God's love is for us. Do you know that book? What, what uh, book? The the kids book about nut brown hair. No, you don't know nut brown hair. No. Oh my gosh. What's nut brown hair? Buy it for your son. Okay. That's right. It's like I think it's just called. Do you know how much I love you? Oh, okay. And it's a, a father rabbit yeah. telling his baby rabbit how much he loves him. And he says, "I love you." Uh, and the son, well, it's the other way around. The son says, I love you as high as my toes can go. And the father takes his son up and swings him over his head. It's like, I love you as far as your toes can go. Oh. <laughs> or it's like, well, I love you all the way to the moon. And he's like, I love you all the way to the moon and back. And it's like this whole series of things where the son says, I love you this much. And uh-huh. the father just extends it until the kid falls asleep. That's cute. It's really cute. It's anyway, I thought about that yeah. when I read, read this. I it's love like, that. The Lord loves you all the way to the moon and back. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and like the whole, and, and this isn't just a spatial argument that as far as the earth's crust is from the most distant star. Right. This is saying that like, like God's realm, the invisible realm where the invisible God dwells that cannot be entered by mortal man. And you know, like right. that 
place, the, the, the realm of heaven, is so far above and different from the realm of earth. Yes. He's like, if you could draw a line between those two and put a distance on it, even though you couldn't, yeah. my love would fill every inch of that distance. It's the same thing he does in the geographic one, as right. far as the east, east is from the west. So yeah. where does the east start? Right. I don't know. Where does that the, way. <laughs> where does the west end? Uh, that way? I don't know. And the world's a globe. Right. So really, it's just always west, and yep. it's always east, yes. and there's no end to... And, he the, rem- and, that's, and what he does is he removes our transgressions from us. So it's like we always... We have this... We have this, like, I guess, assumption and knowledge. I mean, it's kind of wisdom to say, my wrongdoing will always catch up with me. Right. You know, a lie will always catch up, catch up with you. That's the book of Proverbs. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, eventually this is going to come back around. What, call it karma, call it cause and effect, call it God's justice. You know, wrongdoing Sorry. will always catch up to you. And he's like, no. As far as the east is from the west, from from one in, um, unlocative point to another, and the, and they never meet. The East never meets West, right? Like, right. they never come together. They can't, Yeah. right? They're diametrically opposed. And he's like, I've put your sin in the East, and I've put you in the West, and neither shall twain the two shall meet, or however that, that phrase goes. That, that was it, exactly. <laughs> that I get it. I got it exactly Definitely right. did not get it. <laughs> but that's, so that's the geographical one. And then the biological one, he, he, he gets really intimate and talks about family. And this, yeah. is, I think, is talking about our identity. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. I kept thinking about my daughter and pulling her teeth during this one. Oh, yeah. It's like, I wish I was a little more compassionate because I got, I was like, I can't do this for another hour. <laughs> uh, but like, the Lord is, shows compassion to me mm. as his child. Right. And he patiently waits with me as I'm screaming in his face to not let him take my tooth out. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, I was yeah. like, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Yeah. It's amazing. It is. It's cool, too, how it goes from, like, heaven and earth, cosmological realm, I down to the earth plane, and yeah. then into our home, like a, like I a dad. If you just screamed at me for an hour, yeah, I, we probably wouldn't be friends anymore. Oh. I mean, oh. I mean, our podcast is mostly a screaming, screaming match, yeah. but <laughs> off the air, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, you know, like, right. there is a special type of compassion that I have for my daughter Definitely. that I do not have for anybody else. Right. Like, I will not tolerate one of my students or one of my volunteers yep. just chewing me out for an hour. Right. Or one of your closest friends. Or one of my closest matter. friends. But you'll let your daughter do it for years. For years. And you'll love her forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like there's not really any depth to nope. what I will do or hope for my daughter. Or right. even like I think back about when we lost our son. Like it mm-hmm. was a – we had lost him and we had buried him. And he, he died. And by the time we buried him, I think he was seven days in the ground, six days in the ground. And I was still praying that he would be resurrected from the dead. Yeah, there was like, and I mean, you know, that no hope of that. But like, it was as far as the father shows compassion to his children, Mm -hmm. so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear Him. Right. It's like, I mean, I'm not a perfect dad, but like, I know what it feels. I know what that feels like. Yeah. Because I don't do that for anybody else. Yeah. And then extrapolate that to the perfect love of God. Yeah. And man, he loves us. And what I thought, I think it's fascinating about this is verse 14. Like the reason why he does this yeah. is because he knows our limits. Yeah, he knows what we're made of. <laughs> he knows our frame and remembers that we are dust. Yeah. Why does God decide to put our sins as far away from us as he can? It's because he knows that we can't handle it. Yeah. He, he knows that we, we're, he, know, he knows that, he knows our limitations. We can't be perfect. That like we... Uh, and he and somehow he is okay with that, and I think, like forgives us of that. And I think we know too that if we were to start like taking account of our own mistakes and our own missteps and our own guilt and our own transgressions, we're. Pr- I, I think we know intuitively that we it would be too much for us. Mm-hmm. Like I think I, we spend a lot of our lives trying to push down the things that we've done wrong to not think about them, right. to separate ourselves from them as much as Definitely. possible, yep. to move states or move cities or right. to get Separate fresh lives. Yep. Like we are always trying to do this. Yep. Separate our, and, ourselves from our failures. And it's, and we also, as much as we try to do it, we also know like you, you can't stop being haunted yeah. by your past. We don't even remember our own frame, our own limitations. Like yeah. we try to, we try to escape the fact that we're dust. 
You know, like yeah. we, we try to escape the fact that we're mortal, that we're going to die, like that it's yeah. all going to end. But God remembers. Yeah, we, we try to escape our sin and yeah. we try to escape our own mortality. Our own, own, own mortality. Yeah. It's, yeah, but God doesn't. And, and so one thing I like feel like we need to talk about here, well, there's one, one observation and then one question. So um, one observation is this is quote unquote, I hate this phrase, but for those of you who find this helpful, this is the God of the Old Testament. Oh, right. Yeah. I don't like that phrase because right, right, right. it's that's a wrong division to make. God is God. God is God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like, in, like, l- I mean, listen to this. This is like scandalous grace. There, we might have even made some observations that you're like, um, I don't think God's that forgiving. Right. Right. It's right. like we're just reading the text here. Right. And what's crazy? Uh, to go back here I, before we keep because yeah, I, yeah. I know what you're gonna do. I think maybe maybe I don't know. I don't know. Gonna, I don't know. We'll see where it goes. Um, like he's doing all this. We can't separate ourselves from our sin. God right. is separating us from mm-hmm. our sins. And I, the reason he's doing it at this point is just because he knows our frame and remembers that we're dust. Mm. It's not yet because Jesus has died. Right. He's doing it because he loves us. He knows our limitations and he cares about our limitation. He cares about our frailties like a father cares for his children. Yeah. And that, so that, that does bring up the question. Yeah. is what is the basis of God's forgiveness for this people? Because there are some things that sound contradictory here. Is it's like that he doesn't keep a record of wrong, right? <laughs> like that he like he doesn't do that. He won't always be angry, that he um won't treat us like our sins deserve. And it's like, but throughout the whole Bible, we see that he does do these things. He does keep a record, he always avenges, he he does treat people according to their sins. So like why are the people here being talked to in Psalm 103 the exception to the rule? Well, it's, it says that these are the people of Israel and these are the people that fear him. Mm-hmm. Yep. So like the, so this is being, these two, all these promises are being made to those who fear the Lord. Right. And they are the, the recipients of his steadfast love, which keeps being repeated. And that's the Hebrew word chesed. Chesed, and it's uh, and that's covenant love, right? I that, think that's probably the first Hebrew word I ever learned. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I think it's, like, it's everybody's yeah, first, it's everyone's first Hebrew word. Chesed, God's. It, it's God's covenant love. When you see steadfast love in the ESV, it's it's Chesed, and it's God's covenant love. This never is, stopping, never giving up, always right. and forever. And because love. it's and because it's consistent to the promises He made, it's it's a, it's a personal love based on the promises he made. So like the reason why he's saying this to this people is because he made promises to them. Right. That these are his people, that he will not forget them forever, that yeah. he will redeem them. And so no matter um, yeah. no matter their sinfulness, right. it will not change yep. his decision to love them right. despite their sin. And we have to remember that like this is people are reading this in exile and God has disciplined them according to their sins, right? He has ransacked Israel and driven these people into um, exile into foreign nations where they're slaves and they're marginalized and they're oppressed and right. And but God's saying in that situation, I won't forget you forever, and I won't always keep doing these things. And so um, I, I think we have to remember that, like, what like, what's the basis of this forgiveness? It's the promises that He's made to His people, yeah. right? Um, and I think we have to remember that even though Jesus is not on the scene yet, we're looking forward to Him yeah. here. And that why won't he always be angry? Like why? Like what will make it to where he does eventually deal with sin? He does eventually bring justice for the oppressed. Um, it's because he does this in Jesus, right? And right? I think what you so like in order to understand how you get from here and God's able to promise that to these people is you have to remember what those promises entailed mm-hmm. when he made the covenant with Abraham. What did it entail? God by himself walked between the slain animals. Right. So God said, "What if you break the covenant or if I break the covenant? Like if you break the covenant, I will be torn in two. Right. In mm-hmm. uh, Moses, he said, he's the covenant with him is like, I will be your God and you will be my people. And mm-hmm. to David, he said, there you, one of your sons will cool. be a king forever forever. Right. And we're about to get to it. We haven't got there yet, but he says the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Mm-hmm. It's like the promises that God has made is that th- there will be a king over his people, that his people will be his forever, and that their sin, when it happens, mm-hmm. will be covered by himself. Right. That's the promise. Yes. That's the promise. 
And so how does this happen? How does God deal, not deal with us according to our sins? Is because in Jesus, all those promises come true. Yes, yes. It's, it's not, it is um, because of his sacrifice and, and because he took our sins and bore our sorrows and all that stuff that is also infused all throughout the Bible into the sacrificial moment of Jesus on the cross. Yeah. But here, in, this, in Psalm 103, if you just bury right. your head in it, the reason why they, we, we have hope in Jesus as the fulfillment of all of this is because, like you said, he is the one who fulfills all the promises made to Israel. And he knows our frame. He became our frame. He became yeah. our frame. He remembers wow. that we are dust yeah. because he became dust. Yeah, and he went into the pit. Yes. Like literally, he, he was, he. oh, that's so cool. He did the opposite. We, he brings us from the pit to a, a crown. He left his crown and went to the pit. Yes. Like, man, amazing. Like he, he, he was completely perfect and untouched by human frailty. And he came and bore our diseases and our mm-hmm. and our frame. Like I mean, right, everything like, he's done for us, uh, or, you know, he did the opposite to himself. Which yes. is just amazing. Yeah. Oh, for he knows our frame. Yeah. I never thought about that one being fulfilled either. in Jesus yeah. either. It's like, oh, he, he does intimately knows our frame. Like, if this is so, the reason why we're told that God does all this is because he knows our limitations. Mm-hmm. This is exactly what Hebrews said. Yep. We have a great high priest who forgives us our sins and yep. does all these things for us. Because, why? He was tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Yep. He, he became, knows what it's like. He knows what it's like. Yeah. <laughs> That's really good. Okay, so the last section um, here in Psalm 103 leans into some of these tensions that we were just talking about. And, and so it says, um, it talks about how man or man, man, man's like grass. Uh, he flourishes like a flower in the field, but then the wind comes and it's gone. It's like, we are very fleeting. Our days yeah. are fleeting. They don't last long. I kept, I didn't know what flower he was talking about. He just said flower of the field. Uh-huh. But when the wind passes over, it was gone. I just thought of a dandelion. Oh, right. It was like, a man's life is like a dandelion. Yep. It just blows it away. It's just, it's it's just gone. gone. <laughs> Where, where'd it go? I don't know. Uh, yeah, it, it's its place knows it no more. The field and the field stays, but the the dandelion's gone. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting, everlasting. And so, yes, we're like dandelions, but He's like a boulder, right? It doesn't right. go anywhere. That kind of thing. Uh, yeah, it's like we have a beginning and an end. Uh huh. And yet, God's love for us began before time. Yes. And stretches into eternity. It has no beginning or end. It's yeah. from everlasting. Right, eternally past to everlasting, eternally future. It has no beginning and end. We are planted, we grow, we die, all in the span of that. But God's love for us, dandelions, is stretches in eternity past, from eternity past into eternity future. That's crazy to think about. It's like there's like when is eternity past? No. When does the east begin? Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. How high is heaven? Uh, <laughs> it's like yeah. there is no end. There's no end to God's love for you or beginning or beginning. Which is that's the crazy one to me. That one blows my mind <laughs> that there's no beginning of God's love for and and who is this for though? This is what it's like the steadfast love, the hesed, the covenant love of God is for or to those who keep his covenant and those, remember to do his commandments. Verse those 18. Those who fear him. Yep, those, those who fear him. To those who keep his covenant, remember his commandments. Uh, the Lord has established his throne. Oh, we'll get there. Um, so we, we do have to remember that there that just because this forgiveness is here doesn't mean that God is like, oh, so just do whatever you want. Live however you want. Right. You know, just disregard my rules and my law, my ways that I showed Moses on the mountain. Yeah. Because I'm forgiving. So make all the idols you want. <laughs> we should know it's so like a lot of people will hear that and say, okay. So if I want to get God's love, mm-hmm. then I fear to, him first. Right. But that's to miss the whole point. Yep. How far away is the east? How high is the heavens? When does eternity begin? Mm-hmm. The point is that God's love has no beginning date. Right. <laughs> towards you. It wasn't like, oh, now I will fear the Lord and obey his commands. Oh, now I love you. Right. Right. No. Yep. God's love has always existed yes, towards it, you. It, it has eternally preceded anything you've ever thought about loving him in return. Right. Yes. And in response, we fear him. Right. And fear can be a strange word or we we just we keep his commandments. Yeah. We obey the love. Yes. We we follow the one that has loved us from eternity. Yeah, that's right. And so it's just it's just important to remember that 
uh, on both sides of this, this, this coin here is keeping the commandments does not make God forgive you. That's not, that's not the basis of God's command. It's his steadfast love right. is the basis of his forgiveness. Because he first loved you is why he sent Jesus to die for you, yes. right? And why here he's extended the covenants to Israel. But not, This is love. Not that we love God. Right. But, but that the, he loved us first, and yeah. sent his son as an right. atoning sacrifice for us. That's right. Therefore, we keep his commandments. Right. I feel like the like 90% of the Christian life and the hard things that happen to it, the confusion, the bad theology could be fixed if we just get this order correct. Right. <laughs> that it's God loves first, saves first, shows grace first, shows mercy first, regardless of us and what we've yes. done. And then... When we realize that and we say, wake up, soul, don't forget his benefits, that's when we go, of course I'm going to keep his commandments. Of course I'm going to love him. Of course I'm going to fear him. Look at what he's done for me. It moves you to obey. So it's just, it's so good. So, so good. And then now we get, he wraps up the whole psalm with like huge, kingly, heavenly language. So let me read this. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, you, O you, his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So we get this picture of the heavenly throne room of God. There's the where God sits and rules over all things is up in heaven, and there are angels, mighty ones, hosts, and ministers that surround him. This is the 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 spiritual realm. His angels, the seraphim, the cherubim, yep. all these people, all these not people, but all these beings, beings uh, persons. Um, they they serve him. They do his will. He says go, and they go. He says do, and they do. They obey his word. They are covenant keeping. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. They're doing what we we were just told to do, and uh, and it's like, why is this at the end of a personal worship song? <laughs> I think too, even like all that, yes. Yeah. But also, pray, bless the Lord, all His works. Yeah. Oh, in yeah. All places of His dominion. Right. Like, let the rocks cry out. Right. It's like, yeah. so not just all the beings that exist. That's right. All the things that exist. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so I think. I think you have this like, I think you have this order shown. He's like, let me show you what it's supposed to look like. When I say to one of my min- one of my heavenly ministers, go, he obeys my voice, right? And what do they do in return? They bless the Lord. They worship him all day and all night. When I say to a rock, stay, and it stays in its place, you know, or a stream, run, and it runs, it obeys my voice. And when you look at it, you can see that it is worshiping me too. It's pouring forth praise to my name. This is how the the flow of nature and creation in, yeah. in the earthly and the heavenly realms work. I the give I give my the... I give my word and it obeys and it pours forth praise to me. It's yeah. like this obedience and praise are linked here. It seems. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I mean, on this that last one particularly, the sky above is his handiwork. Mm-hmm. The stars proclaim right. his wisdom. So it's like. He's like, okay, soul, you are in exile. Mm. You are feeling as if your suffering will never end. You're feeling if God has forgotten you. Mm. But soul, look around you. Mm. There is an entire order of beings that are obeying and praising. There is an entire creation of things that is also praising. If rocks and trees and streams can be content with their lot, Praise the Lord, oh my soul. Yeah. Like, praise the Lord. Nothing in this world mm. does not obey or praise the one who made them. Except soul. me. <laughs> except me. Right. And like, it's okay to say that. Like, except right. me right now, yep. soul. Soul, praise him. Right. Not just because that he's forgiven me. Right. Not just because he loves me. Not just because he rules over all things, but also because nothing that God has created does not praise him. Right. There are there are little things in nature that obey him and I'm definitely over them. I've been, you know, in in Genesis, I've been put over them to rule and yet they obey God. And then there are these heavenly beings that I can't even fathom and that when they show up on the biblical landscape, we fall in fear and trembling. Right. And but even those great mighty ones, those hosts of heavens, they obey God. Yeah. 
So it's like, I'm somewhere in between. Right. right? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm not like a rock, but I'm also not like an angel, but both obey God. Come on, soul. Let's obey God. Let's <laughs> like, obey the and, Lord. And like, let's worship him. Like the hosts of heavens and the mighty ones think he's worthy of worship. The streams and the rocks and the stars think he's worthy of worship. Why don't you and all your mundanity and doubt think that he's worthy of worship? Wake up, soul. Praise right. the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's why it probably ends with the same thing that it began with. Uh, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Right. Wake up. Wake up. The alarm's going off. It's yeah. Time, time to worship. The your circumstances mm. you are always listening to your circumstances that's that's the human condition to have an internal mind that processes events is to always be listening to yourself and to what's happening to you david's response to a mind that's always working always doubting always suffering always wondering always questioning is to speak to it mm-hmm. soul you are not the sole determiner of right. what is good and bad. Mm-hmm. God has forgiven you. He has loved you. He's done justice to you. He's liberated you. He's vindicated you. And all of creation knows it. Yeah. Every created being is worshiping him. Bless the Lord. Right. Oh, my soul. And isn't it amazing that we, oh my goodness, that, that in, in the gospel, we don't just have an angel or a seraphim, Right like or a rock or a stream that we need to relate to who has obeyed the voice of the Lord and worships him only. It's like we have the son of God, God himself incarnate, mm. the ultimate mighty one, the ultimate host of heaven, right? Yeah. Uh who became like creation and he did what? He obeyed the voice of the Lord, he kept the covenant for us, right? Mm-hmm. He he uh, he bore our iniquities. He did everything that this said. He became se- he he himself was separated from God as far as the east, east is, is from, from the, the west. west. Yeah, absolutely. And and so it's just like if if contemplating the angels around the throne of God led David to rejoice and worship. And we have another reason. We have a better reason. Yeah. Yeah. That the consummate host of heaven, the ultimate mighty one, not only worship or was on the one on the throne of yeah. heaven, not worshiping around the throne, the one who was on the throne of heaven came down and obeyed this law for us, upheld this Hesed for us, like right. fulfilled the covenant for us, feared the Lord for us, yeah. so that we could actually be woken up and and said, Oh, I can actually bless the Lord now. <laughs> yeah. like, um one one thing I want yeah, to say. Like, yeah, it's like so Psalm 103 for the Christian yeah, yeah, yeah. is not complete mm. until we worship Jesus. Yes. Because these are all reasons why we should rejoice and tell our soul, bless the Lord, mm-hmm. O my soul, bless the Lord, O my soul. But there is another reason, and it is the best reason. It is Jesus has done all that this psalm talks about for us by dying on the cross. Mm-hmm. We have another reason to convince ourselves despite what it looks like, <laughs> right. that God loves us. Like, we don't measure God's love for us by our circumstances. Right. We measure it by the cross. Yes. And we can do that because of Jesus. That is the ultimate reason why we can say to our soul, bless the Lord, mm-hmm. oh my soul. That's right. And so I think whenever someone comes to a hymn psalm, right, um, I think what we've kind of stumbled upon here is what do you do with it? I think the great thing about these hymn psalms is they give us the words to say to our soul to wake it up. Mm, where it's yeah. like a lot of times when our soul's asleep and we don't we don't we we feel too much doubt and we're tired and we're worn out we feel like we're in exile we feel too guilty these psalms come alongside us and they say I know you don't have the words God's provided them for you pray these so I think the great a great like takeaway for people is if you're feeling overly guilty separated from God spiritually tired you know whatever you know far from him whatever it is Go to Psalm 103. Go like, look up hymn psalms and you know Google it. Yeah, yeah. And just pray them. Yeah. And just speak to your soul and say, "Wake up! The Lord has forgiven you. The Lord yeah. has rescued you. The Lord is satisfying you. The Lord loves you yeah. with His steadfast love." And just yeah. speak to your soul, and it will wake up and it will right. worship. It may not. I mean, I did that this morning as I was reading through that. Yeah. I was praying through it, and honestly, it didn't. It took a while to work. Yeah. yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah. And so it's like, it doesn't, it's okay that it takes a while of speaking to yourself before it feels like it's effective. Mm-hmm. It's okay if it takes several weeks yep. or months, months yep. for that to be effective. 
but scripture's medicine for us when we feel the scripture's medicine for us when we have been listening to ourselves mm. for decades and years is to speak to ourselves the truth right. that God loves us, he's working for us, and in fact, he's died for us. Yeah, that's so good. Well, we, we, uh, we're really glad you guys joined us uh, to meditate on Psalm 103. I think next week we're going to jump into our next book in the Torah, the book of Numbers. numbers. Um, it is not about numbers. It's not? It's not. I'm so not going to study then. So don't, <laughs> don't be afraid. It's so good. The Hebrew word for it is in the wilderness. What happens to God and his people in the wilderness? It's so good. I love the book of Numbers. So thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you next week in the book of Numbers. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit dedicated to creating free, gospel-centered media that speaks the gospel out of every corner of Scripture. So to join us in our mission and view our resources, we invite you to visit SpokenGospel.com. Spoken Gospel.